right, welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus. This is episode 159. And this is a Wednesday edition. And we're going to spend a little time talking about the primaries and the related elections. Now, I know that I've not exactly been a stranger to politics, but I also have tried to steer clear of getting involved in um, most of these races um, directly, which is to say I've mentioned it. I've encouraged other people to run. uh, I've done my due diligence. And some of that was, you know, we just didn't know who was all getting in the race. And, well... I thought I might have a role that would require me to stay impartial. Uh, I don't have that role, so my impartiality will be only limited in so far as that I'm probably not going to directly endorse, except for one case, and I will merely give recommendations or Promote the idea of doing your own research because, let's face it, I am not your average Republican. I am certainly not your average conservative. Indeed, I am a constitutionalist. I am a liberty-loving former libertarian. I am the leading, bleeding edge of the liberty vanguard that exists still within the Republican Party. And even though currently I am not in an official role with the Republican Party, I'm not going anywhere. Indeed, I plan on returning, as they say. I won't be so bold as to pull a MacArthur and say, we shall return, or the Terminator and say, I'll be back. But I will say the plan is to be re-involved, reinvigorated, and to continue to lead with liberty. So, we must go on. So, in McKinney, we have, um, I guess, a special election to replace the outgoing or the previous uh, at-large representative of the city of McKinney. Uh, He had determined that it was in our best interest, which really means his best interest, to step down from representing us in the city of McKinney chambers to go down to Austin and represent us. Now, I have been, I think, very gracious towards this gentleman. I did run against him. I did um, run a clean campaign, and I was a little frustrated with the... Let's just say the way things unfolded. But to continue to slam on a guy or attack him when he beat you fair and square, I didn't want to push those sour grapes. I I didn't want to uh, dwell on that. And I really, truly had hoped he was going to show up and toe the line. I mean, he claimed to be a Republican in good standing. And though he is not the same kind of Republican that I would be, there is plenty of space within the party to have differing opinions and differing ideas on a whole plethora of issues. So with common grace, with the idea of uh, better to be helpful or at least encouraging than being an enemy, 
I was largely silent. Now I got to say, uh, not been overly impressed. Um, rather disappointed in several instances. Uh, really truly had hoped the basic rubber stamp would have passed after the first year. Um, so I'm not feeling super comfortable with what's coming next, but the idea that you step down and then pass the torch has been long played in McKinney politics. And that is what's gone on now. And a gentleman by the name of Patrick, Oh, I don't know. Coltrier or something like that has been nominated by the mayor and the McKinney click. And while that in and of itself is probably not a big issue, it is a concern insofar as that's how we got the guy that just left. That's how we got most of the other guys. The McKinney team, a.k.a. We Know What's Best For You, has determined that they indeed know what's best for us and they're going to keep running their people to have their representatives, not ours, running the city. And while that might not be the end of the world, it does have long-term effects. If you don't like the way the city is being developed, this is your opportunity to put in a voice of reason. If you don't like some of the actions that have occurred, this is an opportunity to put in a voice of reason. Now, I understand there's going to be at least one other candidate that's going to run, as well as my friend, Vicente. Now, you may recall I interviewed him when he ran for District 3, which he lost by what is a minuscule amount of votes. And he decided, and we decided, that it would be best if he ran again. Why? Well, because, honestly... He's just a great guy and he's solid on most every issue that I can think of. And quite frankly, he brings common sense and strength and certainty to a role that really, quite frankly, needs somebody that's going to be a steady hand with common sense. So I think that barring any surprises in the next two days, it'd be fair to say, in my humble opinion, that Vicente is going to be my choice, and in my opinion, the best candidate to fill the seat that was recently vacated. Now, that being said, we could be surprised. I mean, there could be some rock star out there just waiting to jump in. Oh, wait, we already have one of those, and he's the mayor. Um, okay, well, needless to say, uh, I, I'm, I think you should very seriously, if you live in the city of McKinney, check out all the candidates, but make sure to spend due diligence on it. And I think when you're done, you will agree with me that Vicente is the best candidate for the job. On to HD62. Now, you may be wondering, what in the heck is HD62? Where did it come from and how did we get here? Okay, good thing. I can answer that. Well, we used to have House District 70, where we had Scott Sanford representing us for the last 10 years. Well, Scott determined at the some point that... He didn't want to stay in the house. And when he did that, because we were getting an extra house seat in Cowley County, they took it 
reconfigured it and threw it down in Plano and gave us a brand new house district, which apparently we get to keep the number 62 as opposed to 70. That's neither here nor there. And that basically encompasses uh, just north of 121 to the county line from roughly Preston to 75. Now, there's some bumps and twists in there, but that, that's just kind of a general idea of what makes up the new House District 62. Um, early on, my uh, friend and acquaintance, whatever is the best term that he would prefer, Jim Herblin decided he was going to run no matter what. Whether it was in 70 against Scott Sanford or in the newly created 62 against all comers. And I think he's uh, done a pretty decent job. He's getting his word out. He's showing up and he's been black walking for several months still waiting for those signs jim but hey everything has its time and its place and it's still early uh then another acquaintance slash friend whichever he would prefer uh threw his hat in the ring paul chabot um recent arrival from california well compared to me i mean he's been here four or five years as far as i know conservative stalwart in uh, in many circles, um, served in the military, served in law enforcement, um, solid guy. He's going to run also in HD 62. So between those two, you truly should spend some time investigating them. Find out which guy better suits your needs or your desires for representation down in Austin. And I think either one of them will be decent. Now, I know Jim will stand. He has a record of standing and pushing back. I'm fairly certain Paul will do the same. And again, this you have two good choices there. And, well, then there's the other guy. Um, he is a Republican. Okay, I, I don't have anything else to say because... Uh, it's one of those situations where if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And I will say this. If he should win the primary, I will support him against the Democrat. And I will do my best to assist him in Austin in any way that uh, he would deem helpful or, quite frankly, that I think is needed. But I'm just going to say... Look at the other two, uh, make a educated decision. And you know what? We still have two, three days where we might get yet another hat thrown in the ring. Early on, I reached out to Scott Sanford and uh, full disclosure, I asked him if he was willing to endorse. And he said that he had a friend of his that was considering getting in the race. So he wasn't going to be endorsing just yet. So I'm not sure if that friend got in the race or not, but... I think that uh, even though there was some disappointment, particularly on my end with some of the things that he didn't advocate well for down in Austin, he was a good guy and a good representative, and he generally did everything he said he was going to do, and he voted the right way, which is honestly the most important thing a state rep does. So I you know, bid him farewell. I wish him well. I wish that he would be a little more aggressive even on his way out the door, but we shall see what comes next out of Mr. Scott Sanford and his uh, legacy, which is now going to be HD 62. That brings us over to CD three. That would be congressional district three. For those of you that don't know, and we have at least 
a three-way race, likely to be a four- or five-way race, with multiple people going after Van Taylor. Now, Van Taylor is going to be running for his third term in Congressional District 3, and he picked up Hunt County to go along with most of Collin County, which makes it more red, easier for the Republican to win, but it also makes it at least on paper more conservative. And I'm not sure that these people are going to be overly enthusiastic by the representation that we've gotten out of Van Taylor. Now, I got to tell you, I was happy to have him go the freshman term. I was still pretty pleased with him in his sophomore term. But man, this this sophomore term that's wrapping up, i am got to say I'm a little disappointed. I'm not ready to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I, I believe Van Taylor's done a lot of good things. There are some other things that I wish he wouldn't have done. But he's there on the ground. We don't know necessarily everything that he knows. But some of these positions or votes that he's taken just seem like no-brainers. They're really kind of disappointing. So I know that's why he's picked up Susan Harp and Keith Self. And I'm sure that, like I said, there's going to be one or two more that get in the race that I'm aware of. Um, and I think that's good. I think it's it's good for a republic to have different people vying to represent us. I think it's good for, quite frankly, even Van Taylor. Because perhaps... He'll do a better job next time around. Or perhaps he will be a little less compromising, particularly if the Republicans manage to get back the majority. Now, I will tell you that I know the former county judge, Keith Self. I'm not going to say we're good friends. I would say we're acquaintances. I would say that I've talked to him on many occasions. I know the guy. I like the guy. And I trust the guy. And I would be excited if he would win. But the reality is, it's a uphill battle. I have met Susan Harp. I like her generally. I admire her passion and her drive. And quite frankly, the monumental task that she has thrown herself into. And I wish her well. But I think she has the same big mountain to climb. And I know that a lot of my friends are split. Do we go for Keith? Do we go for Susan? And, you know, like I said, when there's one or two more that jump in there, that's going to split it up even more. I don't have a strong favorite at this time. I'm leaning one way. That gentleman knows who I'm leaning towards. But I'm not sold 100%. And quite frankly, I'm going to do a little more investigation on my own. I, I'm curious what it is that Mrs. Harp brings to the table. I'm curious, you know, if one of these other two candidates gets in officially, what are they going to bring to the table? I would like to see how that's going to play out. I would like to see what's really going on. And again, I'm not writing off Ann Taylor. I mean, he is the congressional member that we have, and he has done a better than average job. Not that average is necessarily good enough, but so it's really tough for me to say we need to kick him to the curb. But when somebody lets you down multiple times and then argues with you and gets defensive about it, and not just me. I mean, I know of other people that have talked to him, but it 
calls the question, is this really the guy we want there representing us? Could we do better? Well, I don't have a recommendation. I do say you should investigate all three. And when the others join in, if they join in, you should investigate them as well. And I want for you to be an educated voter and make a call that you feel comfortable with. And I think we have a number of good options, and I'm just going to leave it at that. On to the next big race. See, we, we don't have a challenger for SD8, and honestly, with the job Angela Paxton's done, I'm not really sure that you would really want to run against her, and I'm happy to support her. And, you know, there's a couple other statewide offices that are up for grabs or battle, if you will, and the only thing I have to say there is if somebody named Bush is running, you should vote for the other guy. Um... So let's jump up to Lieutenant Governor. Now, this is interesting. As you may recall, on more than one occasion, I've called up Lieutenant Dan, or I've called him out, too, on my podcast, and I've just wondered, where is he? What is he doing? And why should we be excited about this guy? And really, there's nothing to be excited about. He's been a big yawn. A disappointment. I mean, anybody that had to be dragged, kicking and screaming, in my opinion, to support the watered-down constitutional carry that we got, is not the guy I want leading the state. In arguably the most powerful position in the entire state, and you could argue that the governor is more powerful, and clearly the last year and a half has shown us that when you let the governor get away with murder, there will be murders. And I mean that metaphorically speaking. So, early on, Aaron Sorrells threw his hat in the ring. Met Aaron, like Aaron, think he's a good guy. I think I think he's got, again, a monumental challenge running against a fairly well-known politico. And, but he's he's been working it. He's been doing a good job. And quite frankly, he's saying the things that other people are afraid to say. And I think that's good. And I, I applaud him. I think he's a good choice to replace Lieutenant Dan. And then, of course, we got Daniel Miller. For those of you that don't know, I specifically and personally called for him to jump into this race. Now, I know Mr. Sorrells was not overly thrilled with me when I did that, but quite frankly, this is a sleeper race without him. It's a yawner. And I don't mean any disrespect to Aaron Sorrells. I just mean that there's no attention going to be played on this. Everybody's already written it off that Lieutenant Dan's going to get the nomination. But when Daniel Miller gets in, now we've got a player. Now we got somebody that's got a rabid, strong following of people that are going to support him to the hilt. And he's got name recognition. And he's got media. And he's got a little money. I'm stoked. I'm really excited. I think he is a great candidate. And between the two of them, hopefully, that'll force Lieutenant Dan to get off his butt and mm, campaign. That'll that'll force Lieutenant Dan to convince us why he thinks he should get to keep that job for another four years. Hopefully, that'll, I don't know, maybe cause Lieutenant Dan to do a better job going forward if he should win. And quite frankly, I don't know that he will, though as a incumbent, the odds are in his favor. I don't have to be excited about it, but I do have to acknowledge that's the way the world works. So that being said, 
you can make an argument that Aaron Sorrells is the best candidate, and I would make an argument that Daniel Miller is the best candidate, but I would say to you, you should investigate both candidates, and you should determine which one you like better, which one you think is more formidable, which one you think is a better fit for your personality and, quite frankly, your politics. In my mind, Lieutenant Dan has let us down, and he needs to be put to pasture. So please consider, choose one of the challengers and support them. Support them with your time, with your money, with your vote, with your media. Either one of these guys would be an improvement in my humble opinion. As a matter of fact, there is a little something something coming up here in the next month. Or is it the following month? I think it's January up in Grayson County, and you should check it out when that time comes. And I will bring you more information on that when it becomes available. All right, so that brings us up to the big enchilada. Yes, that's right, the governor's race in Texas. So there are a lot of, shall we say, your average Republican voters that are quite happy with Greg Abbott. There are a lot of what you would say are middle-of-the-road establishment types that would make great arguments why Greg Abbott's been an awesome governor. I mean, after all, we're the second freest or third freest state in the country, and we've bounced back better than everybody except for Florida, and we're quote-unquote leading the way when we're really not. But hey, Greg can read those tea leaves pretty well now, can't he? Now, let's be honest. The guy violated the Constitution. The guy both exceeded his authority and abdicated his responsibility in multiple ways. Some of those, or most of those, if you will, can be read about in the five-star plan by Mr. Robert West. They are also outlined on various commentaries by both Daniel Miller and Robert West and various other media personalities. Now, you can say that The governor and, for that matter, the attorney general have done a pretty decent job of fighting for Texas versus the federal government. But it's really easy when you get a Obama-lite or Obama-ite or flat-out socialist or, I don't know, communist puppet residing in the White House. It's pretty easy to look good. It's pretty, pretty easy to make yourself look plausible and solid. But the reality is, is Greg's not that. The governor has been, again, a disappointment, a massive letdown. I had high hopes for him. I mean, he followed in the footsteps of the last governor who was actually pretty good, Rick Perry. I, you know, I never thought I would miss Governor Goodhair, but boy, I got to tell you, a lot of times I do. So that brings us to your three choices as of right now. You got Chad Prather. You've got Alan West and you've got Don Huffines. And let me tell you, I have said multiple times, I'm happy with any of those three over Greg Abbott. But now having sat in a debate or forum with the three of them and having spoken to at least two of the three of them in person, I got to tell you, as much as I love what Chad brings to the table, I just don't know. I would want him to be my governor. I might really like having him as a congressman or a senator. 
just to go to D.C. to stir the pot, if nothing else, or to be bold enough to remind them that, hey, you know, we can go our own way. Secession is on the table, D.C., uh, and you got to give the guy credit for that because he's ready to go there. And quite frankly, uh, between Daniel Miller and Aaron Sorrells, they're both ready to go there too. So, I mean, that is a positive. But then you got to throw in um, Alan West, former lieutenant colonel. He's done some good things, done some things that I'm not super enthusiastic about. Quite frankly, not my favorite of the three, but he's a solid guy. And if he ended up being the governor, I still think he'd be better than Abbott. But I'm not my first choice. And I mean no disrespect. And I know that in Collin County, uh, he is the favorite. He is the, the go-to guy, if you will. And I'm not really sure why. And I don't, again, I don't mean any disrespect. He is a solid candidate and a viable candidate. And if he should win the primary, I would be quite happy with that. But there is also a guy by the name of Don Huffines in the race. Don Huffines has put up quite a bit of his own money in this race. He supported a plethora of candidates in the past, and I'm sure he will in the future. He is a... Liberty stalwart, not afraid to put his money where his mouth is. Business owner, hasn't taken any money from the state as far as a paycheck goes. And while I got to admit, I had to have a conversation with him after something he said on Saturday because it just didn't quite make sense to me. He did explain where he was coming from and he did give a pretty good reason as to why He was advocating what he was advocating. And when I pointed out to him that it might be better to include some additional information if you're going to advocate that, he did admit, yes, that is a good idea. So I look forward to seeing what he uh, changes up about that. But there's not a doubt in my mind that he is the most liberty oriented candidate, that he's not the or that he is the most, quote unquote, conservative of the Republican candidates that's and I actually that's probably not even fair because it's fair to say Chad's pretty darn solid too but just it's kind of easy to do some of those things when you don't have to worry about repercussions and I mean all three of these guys are solid but I just think Don brings a little bit more to the table I mean he runs his multi-million dollar business With his brother, they've been successful. They've done a lot of things that we've all benefited from in Collin and Dallas and actually probably statewide. And while some of it's messy, I mean, it's part of doing business when government's involved. I mean, you get dirty. You get your hands dirty. It's, It's not always fun, but the guy backs the right people. He supports the right people, and now he's running. And he's doing a good job of it. And, I mean, that's my first choice. That's my preferred candidate. That's the one I've already chosen to endorse. And I feel very comfortable with that. But I always say, I'm good with the other two as well. 
my first priority is ABA. And then after that, it's Don Huffines all the way. Now, again, you need to do your own research. You need to make sure that you're happy, then you're comfortable with those candidates that you choose. And you need to know a little bit more about them than other than they look good on paper or they look good on TV or I like the way they sound. You want to know about their voting record. You want to know about how they spent their money, where they spend their time, what things they support, what things they oppose. These are all important things that you need to keep in mind if you're going to be supporting a candidate that looks to be running the state of Texas. And while we're on the issue, you may recall this last year, I did a great number of episodes called Texit Tuesday. And I remain steadfast that my belief is, is that worst comes to worst, Texas can and should go its own way. I don't know that we're there yet. I don't know that that's the correct answer yet. But when all three of the governor's candidates say that's not off the table, when both of the challengers to Lieutenant Dan say, well, we should definitely consider this. That tells me that the time is close. That we Texans, we Texians, we Tejanos, we're getting to the point where we're just quite frankly done with it. We're done with playing games. We're done with being bullied and pushed around by a federal monolith that quite frankly doesn't care about Texas, doesn't care about liberty, doesn't care about what the right thing is. They just act like a bunch of Yankees. And I mean that in the most pejorative way possible. And yes, I realize that I'm from north of the Red River, so technically that makes me a Yankee. But I also say I'm a reformed Yankee. I've come here to become a Texan or a Texian, if you prefer. And I've been here now longer than anywhere else in my life. I've earned the right to claim the mantle of being a Texian, and I will defend it. And the oath I gave... To the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, would easily transfer to a new nation should Texas decide to arise. Because you can choose to walk away from a nation that no longer recognizes you, no longer respects you, and quite frankly is run by those enemies, domestic or foreign. So again, while you may not be willing to go where I've just gone, while you may say that, well, that's all great, Callis, but we don't agree with you. The fact of the matter is the future is coming. And with that, this is According to Callis. This is episode 159, and I will see you on the other side.